We were working crazy late last night, but when we finished, it sure felt good. We've got those pulleys in place now, and the grow light should be easy to maintain from here on out. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of February 28, 2013. It's hard to believe that February is about to get away from us, and we're heading into March, getting closer to spring, and it's that time of the year, time to start seed so that I can plant my little babies out in the garden. Let's acknowledge at the outset that none of this is essential for enjoying having a garden. You could get along just fine planting seeds in the ground and purchasing transplants from most any good garden store. But starting seed is a whole lot of fun. It really is. In fact, now when you say planting seeds directly in the ground, which we call direct sowing, that works for some types of plants and not for others. doesn't work well for tomatoes or, in my experience, peppers or eggplants, that, nightshades, um, and, and others. And we can talk about that in the future. But um, for the plants that you have an option, as you said, if I want a tomato plant, I could go to my local True Value, which is where I get some of my plants, or um, a nursery, and buy a transplant. But how much more variety I have to choose from um, when I can look at a beautiful seed catalog and look at beautiful pictures of exotic tomatoes and pick out exactly what I want to plant within and I reason. I will say this to convict you, and one day we hope we will be saving seed from our tomatoes. Yes. We've not tried to save seed from tomatoes yet. Yeah, we save. I, I like working with the seed that's a little bit larger. <laughs> But uh, you're right. You can save seed. You can can join a seed exchange and um, share heirloom seeds with others. But the point of this podcast is to talk about what we've done in the past and are continuing to do with our seed starting um, right here at Longleaf Breeze. And um, you do save a great many seeds. Um, why don't we start with talking about a, a little bit about how you approach that, how you uh, prepare them for storage, okay. how you store them, yes. how you keep up with what we have. Right. Well, the, the seeds that from last summer's garden that I chose to save, as I said, I didn't want to mess with the ones that are really small, like bell pepper, hot peppers, tomato, eggplants, um, even my stevia. I didn't save those seeds. And that's those are really tiny seeds, by the way, very difficult to work with. But um, I did save seed from some of the larger, larger seeded plants, which were, were um, I saved some cucumber and I saved um, some, well, a couple of years ago when I had pumpkins, I saved pumpkin seeds, I saved squash seeds, uh, watermelon, uh, cantaloupe, those kinds of seeds. And, uh, oh, beans, peas, those are very easy to see, save. What you do is you let that plant produce um, that, that piece of fruit. Let's say, let's take a rattlesnake bean and you let it get really ripe, bigger and tougher than you would want to use and to slightly dry up on the vine. And then you pick it because then the peas inside are 
a little bit dried up. You can do the same thing with lima beans. In fact, I've had some that popped open and fell on the ground because they were past, really past harvest time, and I just saved those seeds. So those can be, um, they need to be kept in a cool, dry environment. There are different approaches to it. Some people put them in a Ziploc bag and put them in their refrigerator. Um, I don't happen to have enough refrigerator space to do that. So I just keep mine. Um, you do let them dry out completely before you, uh, you know, don't weather, wet them or anything like that. In fact, if it's rained, you know, try to let them dry out before you harvest them and then um, make sure they're nice and dry. And oh, like if you're getting it out of a squash or a pumpkin or something or a watermelon, I, I just lay them out on a paper tile to dry out really well. And then when they're dry, I put them into envelopes or Ziploc bags. And, and you write on the, on the envelope oh, yes. what's in it. Very important to label what it is, the exact uh, variety of that plant it is, and the date when you save the seed. Um, because some because seeds... they don't last forever. No, and that's another thing we can talk about on a separate podcast is, um, or maybe even attach it to the show notes page. That might be good, is how long different types of seeds last. Uh, because, do you have that ready Yes, I do. Great. Yes. Well, let's because attach there, that. If you are sowing a corn seed, eh, a year. You know, you might as well pitch them. But if it's a um, some of the larger types, and, and like I said, we'll post the information, um, then you can actually um, save some seeds for up to four to five years. So, um, and, and again, it has to do with how well you've stored it, the conditions under which you have stored that seed. If it's gotten too warm, if it's, you know, if it's a, a seed from a defective plant, which you do not want to store, you want to only choose your healthy plants. In fact, your best most adapted You want specimens. your superstars yeah. to be the one that you save seed from, the ones that taste great, that are healthy, that don't succumb to disease or right. pests. And yes. And a very important pro proviso, only from open pollinated seeds. In other words, <laughs> you don't want, if you had a hybrid <laughs> tomato, let's say a solar fire or something, and you said, man, I want to cultivate that early girl next year. Well, you save those seeds, you may or may not get an early girl because... Chances are you won't. Chances are you won't. It's been crossed with something else. Usually, of course, to provide disease resistance, uh, to provide uh, pest resistance or some other reason or to give you a longer growing season or heat tolerance. Um, and those, there's a good reason why we have those hybrids out there. But those seeds are not going to remain true over the next... So that's why a lot of people and a lot of gardeners are going to heirloom seeds which have been passed down you know exactly uh, it's been in a family or a community you know for um x number of years or an at any rate an open pollinated seed which means it is true to type you get the same plant year after year generation after generation so um that's what i've done like with my rattlesnake beans i knew that i had open pollinated uh seeds i saved them i uh put them in a Ziploc and the, or actually I think those I just put in an envelope, sealed it up, kept it in a cool, dry, shaded place. You do not want light to hit those seeds and labeled it carefully and then pulled them out the next year to plant. Okay. So, well, so we've got our seed now mm -hmm. and we're ready to start them. And let's talk about what happened that first year when we tried starting seeds without a heat mat, oh. without a grow light. You remember yeah. that? That was a bit of a disaster because our the light just wasn't consistent enough and the heat wasn't consistent enough. 
Um, we did. We just didn't get much results yeah. at all. In fact, the light was not strong enough. I tried it um, even with fall for fall garden plants, thinking, "Oh, well, here it is, July. I got plenty of light coming in through the windows, right?" Mm, it wasn't enough because if the light, if the plants don't, if the seedlings don't get enough light, they'll be leggy. And we can talk about that sort of in order of planting the seeds and and uh, getting them to germinate and then when they get to be seedlings. But the point is, you got to have enough heat, you got to have enough light. Um, and so our, and first our solution to it is to use a heat mat, which we can put four seed trays at a time on mm-hmm. and uh, grow light. And let's talk a little bit about um, the options for grow lights. Uh, that we actually did. You know what? We've actually bought a heating blanket of Yes, we tried using an electric blanket an the electric first time, blanket, thinking it would be cheaper. Right, well, and it, it was, was a terrible idea. It wasn't it even. Work. I mean, some people may actually, some of our listeners may be using an electric blanket at night to keep warm, and you know how it works. It's Even though you might think, oh, the whole blanket's warm, it really just has these little coils that are intermittent. So and the other problem with it is all of the electric blankets they sell nowadays have uh, an automatic interlock so that, you know, after 11 or 12 hours or so, they turn off automatically. And you don't want your heat mat to turn off when you're germinating <laughs> seeds. That's right. So uh, if you're thinking about trying just an, a simple electric blanket, we can help you skip that step. Right. Uh, and we ended up paying, I think it was like, Twenty-five or thirty dollars for I just, our heat mat. Yes, I just saw it advertised in Grower Supply, which is probably where we got it, and the catalog, and it's like thirty-five bucks, worth the investment because it'll typically last for ten years or so without wearing out. Yeah. So um, you'll get a lot of seeds started that way. Now, grow lights are a little different proposition. Mm-hmm. You priced some grow lights recently, just so yeah. we could share with people what we were paying. I mean, the the cheapest one I could find, honestly was about $115, and I welcome others to find something cheaper, but those are our specialty grow lights. We just use fluorescent bulbs. They work great. And what we did with ours is to use three four-foot um, T8 fluorescent fixtures, and we put one daylight and one warm white bulb in each fixture. So you get a mixture of daylight and warm white, which is... Somebody told us a while ago that was the best combination for plants. Well, Who are we to say? But it, it seems to be working fine. It worked great last year. I, that's exactly the system we used, and it worked great. And um, we have our grow light on a timer. The heat mat is not. The heat mat's on 24-7. The grow light is on a timer so that it's on about 18 hours and off <laughs> about 6 each day. Um and I will confess to you, uh, when we are using the heat mat and the grow light, I see it on our power bill. I get an email every morning telling me how our power usage was the day before. And I can always tell when we've turned on the heat mat and grow light because they do suck down some power. Yeah, and, and you're going to be doing this for about six to eight weeks, depending on the type of seed you're trying you know plant you're trying to grow for tomatoes you should be able to take them out of the grow lights within six weeks uh may take a little longer for peppers um and and i will say that the seeds i typically start this way in the for for this time of the year we could talk later about fall seeds starting if we want to um would be something like the nightshades the peppers the eggplants the tomatoes some of the herbs that i for example stevia 
Um, I start my own basil this way because basil, if you buy those it's four, so expensive. it's so expensive to buy a four inch pot in the nursery. So I start my own because I'm going to be interplanting my tomatoes with basil. We so, throw basil around like confetti. Yeah. And I'm starting some cilantro because I really like it and I want some. So um, those kinds of, uh, that's, that's, those are the types of seeds that I'll be putting out for um, and have already started actually for the spring. So um, when I mentioned rattlesnake beans earlier, that was a great lesson in seed saving. But rattlesnake beans you plant later, and those can be direct sowed. In fact, they should be direct sowed into the your your bed. Um, so we're talking about some fairly tiny seeds to work with. Um, the ones I've just mentioned that that we will be doing for spring. Um, however, we had great experience last year. So that's pretty much what we're going to be telling you about is how we did it then with one main change that we made this year. <laughs> and that's what you were referring to in your um, opening statement about how we suspend our grow lights. We had it set on chains last year and it worked fine. And then when the season was over for the grow light and the heat mat, we pulled it up higher on the chain so that it was suspended above the shop floor and out of the way. So far, so good. Then I had my injury. <laughs> and with my injury, in order to get it down off the chain, you have to reach up where from our ladder, and you have to have two good arms able to reach up to unhook it from that chain. And I just didn't have enough strength to do that. So we finally hemmed and hawed around and, and then brought in a taller extension ladder just to get it down and replaced it now with a pulley system so that I can stand with two feet flat on the floor and raise and lower the grow light. And I should be able to do that as well. And so, you will be able yeah, to do it as yeah. well, although it does take a little bit of pulling force to it's get heavy, the, right. the light up and down with all those pulleys, but it, it's working smoothly now. Um, and I've got a photo of the grow light that I will place on the show notes page so you can see what's going on with that. Right. Um, but so now that we have our equipment in place, um, and I have one tray of seeds already started, the um, and I'll finish the rest today probably sometime. Um, but the um, the heat mats in place with that tray that's already out there, and, and and let's just talk a little bit about that heat mat. It's not it's not all that warm when you touch it. It just feels it a little bit gently yeah. warm. Yeah. And what it does is it raises the temperature in the soil by I think you know, six, seven, eight degrees. It's not a dramatic heat. Right. And I thought I would t maybe finish some of the, uh, the rest of the podcast by talking about now that we have that equipment, what do you do? Now you've got, well, there's some other equipment that you need. If you're going to start your seeds, yes, I have one tray done. What am I going to do to get the rest of them done? Um, and this is the way I did it last year. I, we bought potting soil, um, it's a, it's a growing medium growing that's medium. especially designed mm -hmm. for potting. It's not topsoil. You can actually make your own potting soil medium using equal parts of perlite, vermiculite, and peat. Um, if, you just want, if you're going to be doing a lot of planting and you're trying to save money, that's one thing you can do. Um, but it but has honestly, to be... it doesn't take that much money. It doesn't take that much. And you can, can buy big blocks of it you know yeah, from your we, nursery i think we paid nursery. jason maybe 15 dollars a bag and it's like 50 pounds yeah which, which will take care of a couple of years worth for us so i i don't think it's um 
Yes, we bought it at Petals from the Past from Jason Powell, and we're very we're very pleased with that type potting soil. So that's what we'll continue to use. You do not, by any uh, means, want to go out in your yard and just pick up a handful of soil, or no matter how <laughs> how fertile your soil is, you need a sterile growing medium. Uh, so that you and can they avoid. don't need a lot of nutrients at this stage. Not not when you're when they're germinating, which is what you're trying to do now. Um, so you, later when you transplant, yes, you want fertilizer. But you're always careful to put a dome on. I the am. I trays. am. And also, um, if you are using pots like little um, cell packs, you need to make sure they're sterile. Either if they're not brand new, you can sterilize used ones with um, a mixture of one part bleach to ten parts water. Uh, but, you know, I don't even use um, pots to start mine. I use soil blocks. Yeah, those soil blocks are working so well for us. And and you can just Google soil blocks. You can order them from supplies, places yeah, like Grower Supply. we have a little supply. gizmo that, we, that will make four soil blocks at a time. So we just place, you know, plant it down in the growing medium which has to be well moistened yes. for this to work. You add enough water to the uh, soil or to the mix, rather the potting mix, to uh, make it the consistency of peanut butter. And then you put plant that uh, soil block machine. It's just a little uh, metal thing. And plant it hard into that soil medium and then uh, release the soil blocks in the seeding tray. And then you've got a soil block ready to go, and that's where you take over and put your seed in right, place. Right, right. And put the dome. And the, the purpose of the dome, of course, is to keep the moisture in. So it's, it creates a little terrarium. It does. And once you get it, and by the way, when you're planting the seed, don't bury them too deep. You want to just barely cover them with any soil, about a, a quarter of an inch or less, really. Or less. You don't that, want yeah. it to be, um, it's about two to three times the diameter of the seed. Um, but if it's, you're talking about a tomato seed, just sprinkle a little soil over it, pat it down, and then you're ready to water it before you put it in the, um, under the dome and on the heat map, um, and the dome, uh, the lights over them. Now, the secret to watering is to let the, um, you'll have more soil to begin with, but you're going to, if the top starts to dry out before you can finish your seeding and, you know, getting all your seeds in the tray and put the dome on, just take a squirt bottle, like a spritzer, very light mist, yeah, it's a mist on the top. Is what you, want. you do not want to water from the top. It'll wash those tiny little seeds away and you won't have anything. So just make sure you just barely spritz it, keep it moist on top. And um, if, you've, if you've done it right, you've got plenty of moisture in the bottom, but you can add to the bottom of your, of your uh, solid, you've got to have like a solid tray underneath your seed packs. Um, or your whether you're using if you're using um, the kind of thing we do with the soil blocks, you need to have some kind of a mesh receptacle, and then that all fits down inside the this solid seed tray. But you just pour enough water in that solid seed tray for the so, the, uh, the soil blocks or the little pots to soak up plenty of moisture into that, and, and maybe they will wick up whatever they'll you wick need. it up. Maybe check it after you've, thirty minutes after you watered them like that. Make sure there's not a lot of excess. Pour that off if there is, and then put your dome on, or you know, remove the dome, check it, you know, put it back on, and then you really shouldn't have to be taking that dome on and off until germination occurs. Um, if you notice a lot of excess moisture gathering in the top of the dome, shake it out, you know, so that you don't have it rain down on the plants. So that again, and, and if they seem to dry out, you can add water. But honestly, in that germination 
germination stage, they shouldn't dry out if you leave your dome on and keep them, keep them warm. You can put your grow light on. And then when you see about 50% of the, um, that the you know, seedlings have started to sprout, the little green coming up, 50% of them remove the dome. And then they're just going to have oil. And then, of course, then you do have to keep really monitoring the water situation because they will dry out. They will dry out. But it is easy to overwater these young Yes, you don't want to do that. That's one of the number one uh, causes of losing your seedlings is uh, damping off, which is caused by overwatering largely. It's a a fungus. But if if they sit there with, you know, too much water, standing water, they can happen. It'll just flop over and it'll break your heart. So um, you want to keep them. And also don't try to cram too many little seedlings in an area. If you use soil blocks or cell packs, that's about the right, you know, spacing. If you have too many, then the airflow can't get through to the seedlings and they can get that damping off as well. And let's finish with a quick conversation about the the height of the grow light over the seed. That's a very critical point. You want to keep your grow light about two inches from those seedlings. Um, and closer so, than you think. Closer than you think. That's right. Because if they get, if it's too far away, and they're getting insufficient light, they will get leggy. And then they'll also kind of flop over. Not the way they do with damping off, but you'll just see them. They look all tall and spindly, and that's not a healthy plant either. So what, you, what we do with our pulley system is as the seedlings grow, we don't have to lower the, the plants. We raise the light. So that as they get the little seedlings get taller, the light go. We can raise it so that it's still two inches above the seedlings. And there is no problem having your young seedlings growing up in and around those bulbs. In case you're thinking, oh, you know, now it's touching the bulb. That's a terrible thing. I've got to raise the it's light. Not you hot. really don't. Yeah. Let let the plants go up and touch the light, and just keep it low. Because it really does need to be ever, ever, ever so close. Right. The moment you move it up four, five, six inches off the soil level, it pretty much stops doing much good. Yeah. And at some point then you're going to be, um, and we can talk about this later as, as I get to the point I'm doing that, when these seedlings get to be a certain size and um, height, you're going to be, and, and most specifically, when they develop true leaves. Then you're ready to take them out, and if they're tomato plants, you need to bump them up, that is, put them in a larger pot. But like I said, that's a subject for another podcast. Just We're, we're hoping that as you get started with your seedlings, that you have good luck and that we do, and so that in about six weeks, we're ready to start talking about uh, getting those plants uh, bumped up to the next level so that we can harden them off and put them in the garden. Hope we've whetted your appetite for what's to come with the spring garden. We enjoyed being with you. Have a good week. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.